0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to Casual Nonsense. I'm your host, Mark. If this is your first time, thanks for swinging by. If you've tuned in before, then welcome back. If you like what you hear, please share the show with at least one friend today. It really does make all the difference. All right, today you are in for a treat. My guest today is Jeff Bardell. And let me say what an amazing human that Jeff is. I was completely blown away by it, by his story. Uh, this episode does run a, a little longer than most of them but be sure to stick it out because you won't want to miss this one. As you're listening, ask yourself what would you have done in his situation? I'm fairly certain for me that I would not have been able to go through, you know, what he has gone through. So, wife Stacy joins me on this one to add a little extra insight and fun. But all right, well let's get to it. All right, everybody, welcome to Casual Nonsense. Uh Jeff, welcome to welcome to the show. Um I get you here today with uh, you know, the most Beautiful woman in the world, uh, Miss Stacy. How are you, Stacy?
1: Hello. What's up?
0: All right, Stacy is joining me today while we talk with uh, Jeff Bardot. Jeff, um, so you, Stacy's known you for a little bit of time. Um, you can say hi, by the way. I didn't get a chance to talk. hi, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love Jeff
1: it. may beg to differ on the beautiful wife because Kelly has been a long time bestie of mine is quite beautiful herself
0: yes she is well she's not here to defend herself so uh, i'm here to defend her i will defend her (laughs) (laughs) honor kelly i defend your honor (laughs) there you go perfect um all right so so jeff let's talk about you for a moment here what 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 is your title you a you're a minister a pastor like what's your (laughs) do you go by one of those titles no uh people always try to put
2: titles on me and I'm just like I'm Jeff, um, you know. <laughs> right. That's kind of like people are like, oh, he's an evangelist. Oh, he's this. Oh, he's like he's awesome. That I am. But like as far as the other stuff goes, I don't. I don't really care about titles. Um, yes, I do go around and preach, but also I do motivational messages. I do safety seminars. Um, considering stand-up comedy, all kinds of different stuff. So I don't really have a title.
0: Okay, you're just a public speaker. I'm just speaking at any occasion.
2: Pretty much. Yep.
1: So one thing people who know me know that I um have zero knowledge whatsoever of religion right um like Zippo, and so coming to the south, especially, I never knew that there was like all these different names. I think from Kelly, I learned a little bit about like a Pentecostal and a Christian, but everybody's a Christian, but some people are Baptist, but they're still Christian. I don't get it. But either way, technically, because you said an evangelist or something,
2: evangelist,
1: evangelist, yes. But from what I know, y'all are pastors.
2: Yeah, we are on staff. We are we are technically on staff at our church. Um, But I do not. I travel. Mm -hmm. Um, I travel the United States and a little bit around the world, uh, preaching, sharing my story that you know we'll get into in a little bit. But, uh, yeah, we're we're pastors at our church, but we aren't, like, the one that you're going to see every Sunday morning preaching. I do step in from time to time as a guest mm-hmm. preacher, but 95% of my preaching takes place on the road.
0: So you're not employed by one church? No, they just come I'm not anyway. employed
2: by one church. Uh, I'll go anywhere. Um, I've been—I've literally been 40— of the fifty states, maybe maybe thirty
0: five. We could cue the uh, Johnny Cash song. You know, I've been everywhere, man. <laughs> I, <Yeah. laughs> a, a little bit, yes.
2: A little bit, yes. But um, you are Christian.
0: Yes, Christian.
2: Just for the listeners that might not get it, they might be in Stacy's category. Uh, Christian is is the religion. When you hear somebody say, "I'm Baptist," "I'm Pentecostal," "I'm Catholic," that's their denomination within because. Certain churches, each denomination has their own particular way of doing things and their own interpretations of what the Bible might say about certain things. So we would all classify ourselves as Christian, but each coming from their own denomination, if that makes sense.
1: A little bit, because I remember one time we were talking about non-denominational, right? and I said that that meant they didn't collect money. <laughs> and whoever I so was like talking a nonprofit to, that's what, what <laughs> I thought. If they were non-denominational, it means they just didn't take money. And then I was told that's not really how it works. So I just, again, get my mouth shut, smile and wave.
2: It non-denominational is, is you know, kind of one of those deals where you don't necessarily pigeonhole yourself into well, this is exactly what we believe. And if you don't believe like us, you're an idiot. Honestly, when it becomes to me, I love Jesus period, you know, and I'll, People are like, well, what kind of churches do you speak at? Any church. Everybody needs Jesus, as far as I'm concerned. So that's why I'll travel around. And mm-hmm. when when people classify me as an evangelist, what that means is, is somebody that has a gifting of leading other people to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I do a lot when I when I go out and travel because of you know my story and my accident and a lot of the things that I went through with my accident. It's it can be touching, it can be heartfelt, uh, but I just I love Jesus. I'm I'm one of those people that I'll tell you I'm a Christian, but I'm not perfect. I just I try to live the best life that I can, but I that, I don't think that makes me any better than you. It probably makes me a little bit better than Stacy, but Mark's <laughs> not any better than you. There. Um, so, but you know, just like I just try to be the best human I can and try to treat everybody with love and so respect.
0: So this this is what I like, right? So a lot of people fear religion and politics right it's two things right. that like you're either in it or you're out of it right so this is why I think initially when we started this podcast I was like oh I don't want to talk about religion because what I don't want and you didn't do this this is why I, I appreciate you is like you're you have your beliefs you didn't walk in the door being like hey if you guys don't believe what I believe in then you're gonna burn in hell you know what I mean like it's just hey you believe what you believe and this is what I believe you know and that I've
1: been told that once.
0: Well, that's maybe for different reasons. I was going to tell you in a, in a <laughs> little bit, but now I can't say it because of what <laughs> yeah. he just said. Maybe off It <laughs> might be legit, but... But, uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I like that because I think that everyone is entitled to their own beliefs or whatever that case is. So, you know, it's like I don't want people knocking on my door, pushing their beliefs on me. It's right. like, hey, it's out there. You know, like I was raised, you know, Catholic. You okay. know what I mean, I don't, I'm not an average churchgoer. You know, there's certain things I believe in. We're not going to get into it today, but... Your religion is what you choose to be. And like you said, so when you, people want to hear you talk about, you know, Jesus or whatever, it doesn't matter because it's a different, you know, it's the, it's the same concept, right? Regardless of the denomination.
2: Right, right. right. Yeah, because, and that's, that's kind of my thing is that whether you're a Christian or not, like the Bible tells me to love you. Yeah. Period. And so that is the way I try to live my life is I'm going to love you. Like if I don't agree with everything that you do, like, I can disagree with you and not hate you. And I think that's what has really seemed or people really seem to get confused nowadays is that you don't agree exactly like I do. Well, then I hate you and I, I hope you burn in hell. Like, right. it doesn't have to be that way. Just because we have a disagreement doesn't mean that I can't still love you as a person. You know what I mean? So that's that's kind of where I stand. And, and, you know, you see some, some believers who you know you would like to distance yourself from because like you say you love Jesus but then you treat somebody like that and that's not the way it should be that's not wh- how Jesus was so that's my personal
0: belief so let's let's talk about what makes you more unique than any other speaker non pastor (laughs) let's talk about
1: what brought you into this (laughs) stuff i mean were you born into a very religious family or did you no that's not what i was going
0: with that but well i
1: was going with his plan right like his story your backstory like how you became what you are today and
2: well i grew up i did grow up in church I, i tell people all the time when i was growing up i had a drug problem because if the doors of our church were open my mom drugged me to church like I was always in church um, and so I tell people I had a drug problem um, but when I got in high school I kind of walked away I wanted to I wanted to be cool I wanted to fit in peer pressure all that kind of stuff and so I kind of walked away from God and then I'm sure Mark what you were leading to I had my accident and that is where my life kind of, changed. Right. Um, and just to kind of jump into it, um, I was 18 years old and I was working at a glass plant in my hometown of Laurenburg, North Carolina.
0: Like kitchen glasses, uh, windows, like windows of... like okay. uh, they do like you probably
2: people riding down the road right now listening to this episode. There's a good chance their windshield was made at this factory or okay. a branch of this factory that I was Working at uh, it, but it's not just that it can be, you know, window for houses and all kinds of wherever you see glass. It could be made could there, be there, but not sure. glasses that you drink out of. Okay. So, um, I got this summer job. I had just graduated from high school about a month earlier.
0: Well, and can I, can I jump to the, you, to jump. the, to the chunk of the story and then we'll get to the details. Okay. So what we're talking about here, the accident is you lost your right arm. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
2: I was in a, in a very traumatic, uh, industrial accident where my arm got ripped off okay i don't recommend anybody try it at home so i wanted want to give the hook
0: be like oh how did that happen yeah and now we're back to the glass <laughs> <family>. yes so <laughs>
2: um i walked into work one day with two arms and i left in an ambulance with one which is one uh, with just one well actually with two um the other one was just in a, just coo- in not- a cooler <laughs> it was oh not attached God. but it was in it was in a cooler um part of it was in a cooler part of it was still
0: in a machine is it weird if i ask you if you still have it I do not still have it. And
2: okay. the funny thing <laughs> yeah, is, though, sure. like I'll travel around and do motivational messages and, and stuff like that. And I go into like a lot of schools and I'll demonstrate my golf swing, which we can get into that or not, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll I'll share a motivational message, then I'll demonstrate my golf swing. And then I always open it up to questions. Hey, does anybody have any questions? And there's three questions I would always get asked. One of them was, can I drive? I always get asked, can I drive? It's like, yes, I can drive with one hand. I drive with my knee most of the time anyway. The second question I always get asked is, how do I tie my shoes? The other hand's for texting, right? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's the thing is like, well, I probably shouldn't say that. Um, but um, I get asked, how do I tie my shoes? Um, and then the third question I get asked is about a girl who kind of shows up in my story. Um, did I marry her? And no, I didn't. But, you know, again, we don't know that character yet. We haven't got there, but we will. Oh, character um, development. Character, mm. Yeah, it's kind of the teaser. So right. y'all, yeah. y'all, y'all stick around. Basically what we were doing, it was me and seven other um, high school students, soon to be college students, that had taken up basically our dad's offers to come and work at this glass factory for the summer just to earn a little bit of extra money before we went off to college. And they called our team the rats because they sent us into like the dirtiest, nastiest areas (laughs) of the factory that nobody else wanted to go into. Of course. Like one of the first, my first day on the job after we did a 30-minute Training seminar, which I'm sure meets OSHA regulations now, but uh, back in 1993 it was a little bit different. Um, Thirty minute training seminar, and then we went out on the floor and we went into this area of the factory called the hot end, and they called it the hot end because it was hot. That's what it's they clever. were super creative. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so we were in the hot end, and basically, this is where the furnaces were. And if you don't know anything about the glass making process, which I wouldn't if I hadn't have been working there. But when they make glass, they run it through a furnace, and if there are any imperfections of the glass, it would, like, shatter and fall to the bottom of the furnace. Well, somebody had to clean that up. So why not the eight soon-to-be college students? Yeah, the scrubs. Yeah, exactly. So literally, first day on the job, we're in there on our hands and knees with these long metal rakes, probably 10-foot-long rakes, sticking them inside of this furnace that is still blazing, by the way. And raking the glass back towards us, we would get it out, scoop it up with shovels, load it into dumpsters. Well, that's what we did for our first eight days on the job. Ninth day on the job, they moved us out to another area of the factory, and nothing really interesting happened that day. Tenth day on the job is the day that it all went down. Yeah. Uh, So we were in an area of the glass plant called the silos, and this is basically where the entire glass making process started. And so they had this powdery type substance that they would drop from up towards the ceiling onto this conveyor belt. I don't know why they did it that way, but that's just how they did it. But that's what started the entire process. So after years and years and years, the plant had been open for, I think, 30 years at the time or so, powdery substance being dropped onto this conveyor belt, the dust would billow up and settle on the floor. Nobody had ever cleaned it. Ever. So in some areas, it was like six inches deep, caked
0: on the floor. Just dust.
2: Dust. Like the and then when people would walk and... on it, yeah. where people would walk on the, this dust, they would pack it down. Yep. So we we're going in there with um, shovels, busting that debris up, loading it into wheelbarrows. And from there, we're taking it to a machine called a screw auger where we would dump the debris in. That's basically all we were doing. That was our job. So when we got moved to this area, you could basically have one of four jobs. You had a shovel in your hand busting that debris up. You're running the wheelbarrows back and forth from our job site to the screw auger. The third job you could have is the guy standing at the base of the auger. His job is make sure everything goes down okay. And then there was another guy at the other end of the auger that when the debris would fall out into the dumpster, he would take... Uh, a rake or a shovel and push everything from the front of the dumpster to the back yep. so it all didn't pile up under the opening well let me ask y'all a question real quick and i know that's not how podcasts typically work but <laughs> this one does how, how dare you <laughs> rude um do either one of y'all know what a screw auger is no
0: use no. a lot of terms that sounds uh, very
1: southern though
2: yeah Okay,
1: a screw auger.
2: A
0: screw auger. I feel like that's yeah. got a mix of some dark rum, maybe some pineapple juice. There, there might be, but
2: <laughs> n- that's not what that's, w- that's not what was going on this day. Like I, I, I could have used one afterwards, but basically, a screw auger is a giant screw with a casing that is around the outside of it, so that if you can picture a screw and you picture a screw that's turning, what we would do is when we would drop the debris into this vat at the top and it would funnel down to this giant screw. As the screw would turn, it's just obviously just turning in place, but the debris would get caught in the threads of that screw and it would push it up the shaft and dump it. This screw auger had actually come from a farm, a local farm, and that's where they're used actually the most for grain and corn and stuff like that. So this day, um, I had either had a shovel in my hand all day or I had been running the wheelbarrow back and forth from the job site to the auger. We went on our lunch break, and when we came back, uh, one of the guys I was working with said, "Hey, why didn't everybody just kind of rotate jobs?" So you know, so so you're now
0: on screw lug, screw logger, screw detail. auger. I was screw now
2: auger. the guy standing at the base of the screw auger, um, which is technically supposed to be the easiest of the four jobs we could have had. I'm now the guy standing at the base of the auger. And again, they told me my job is make sure everything goes down okay. They didn't say if it doesn't go down okay, this is what you do.
0: Mm-hmm. They
2: just said make sure it goes down okay. They also didn't tell us that all of the safety equipment had been removed from this piece of machinery. There was supposed to be a grading over the opening where we would dump the debris in, so you couldn't get you know body parts, clothing, anything caught. Right. Well, that had been removed because they said it slowed the process down too much. And then there was supposed to be what's called emergency kill strings.
0: I can see where this is going right now.
2: Yeah, it's not pretty. Yeah, um, And there are supposed to be these kill strings that run up and down the side of the machine that if anything starts to go wrong, you pull the string and it immediately shuts the machine off.
0: I mean, they have those on treadmills. You just take it off. And, exactly. Well, <laughs> right? they and didn't fail-safe. have it on
2: that auger that day, unfortunately. <laughs> so the very first load we did when we came back from our lunch break, one a, a buddy that I'd played baseball with my entire life, Comes dumps a load in, turns around and walks off. Well, there's one piece of debris that is too big to fit into the threads of the auger, and so I was looking around for anything to try to break that piece of debris up with, but there wasn't anything at my sight. So I decided I'm going to reach in and grab that piece.
0: I thought you had a rake. No, I rake? didn't. No, okay. that
1: was for before when you're getting all the stuff out from under the other. Yeah, thing.
0: that was that was. She's paying attention. She is paying that attention. That was the first job. For all right. The first couple. Of you days. got a gold star. I got it. Um,
2: But the very So I didn't have anything, and so I was like, okay, I'm just going to take that piece of debris out, bust it on the ground, pick the pieces back up, and put it back into the auger. Well, we had on these gloves, safety gloves, and they were called gauntlet gloves, and they're basically like a regular glove, but it flares out at the wrist. And so when I reached in and grabbed that piece of debris, I felt a tug. And when I did, I immediately jerked back as hard as I could with both arms. And my left arm came out fine, and my right arm didn't. And what had happened was the – one of the threads of the auger, it caught my glove. If my if my hand had been over about probably a quarter of an inch, it would have missed my glove. Wow. But it caught my glove. And so I'm yanking, trying to get my hand out while I can't get it out. And the auger is rotating like down and then away from me and then back up and then back towards me. So as you can imagine, my hand goes into the machine and then under, under the machine yeah. then back up and then back towards me and then back down again i remember my wrist the first thing i remember was my wrist dislocating um, and then i heard my forearm snap and i'm like i wish i hadn't have done that that hurt um or something <laughs> wow. something along those lines it Dang. was painful wait um, did the
1: glove stay on yeah oh okay the glove it didn't stayed rip the on glove
2: off. no if the if the glove would have gotten pulled off, it would have been a lot better. And now there and there's even a chance that the glove could have come off, but I had played my last high school baseball game just a few weeks before and I slid into second base head first and somebody stepped on my middle knuckle with their metal cleat so my knuckle was about twice the size it normally was. So I don't know. I think really what happened was as soon as the machine grabbed my glove, it just cinched it around my wrist and there was no getting it out. I have pictures and you can see where they actually cut my glove open to take my hand out. So at this point, I'm actually starting to be picked up off the ground and being pulled in head first because my arm is still attached at this point. And so I started screaming one because it hurt and two, because I wanted somebody to come turn the machine off, you know, because I'm, I'm getting close to going in head first. uh, The guy who was on the other end of the machine, he heard me, and he came and visited me when I was in the hospital. He said, when I turned around, you were about halfway into the machine. Wow. So he runs down a flight of stairs, runs around the machine, gets it turned off. At this point, I'm about six inches to a foot from being completely first into the machine. Um, dislocated both shoulders. Uh, dislocated my right one because, obviously, as that one was getting pulled off, all kinds of stuff was happening. I was holding on to the outside of the machine with my left arm trying to stop myself from going in while well, I dislocated that shoulder in the process. So by the time he gets the machine turned off, even though my left shoulder was dislocated, I was still holding on to the outside of the machine. I pulled myself out, and when I did, my right arm was gone. Not something you planned on seeing that day, you know, seeing your bone. Nope. um, I always tell people I kind of look like a blood sprinkler because it was just – I started spraying. I was going
1: to say, is it like, you know – horror movies where it's like, bleh, bleh. it was,
0: like, it, it even made that sound effect. Yeah. Um, believe or it or not. It was head. like, blah, blah. So I'm my like, question oh. is whose idea was it to rotate jobs that day?
1: Yeah. it's <laughs> like, like sabotage. Like,
0: have you forgiven that person? <laughs> I, I don't even know
2: who did it. Um, I, the, the, the hardest thing I had to deal with was why I take the safety equipment off of it. And it was because they were trying to speed the process up. Of course. And I, the thing is, is now I do one of the things I do as well as preaching is I will travel around and do safety seminars. And I'm like, well, you you can't do anything for this for the sake of speed. If it if it compromises safety, you can't do it. Right. So the machine gets turned off. I'm standing there with one arm bleeding to death. And the guy who turned the machine off, he's standing there staring at me. And then he just turns around and takes off running. And I was like. Dude, where are you going? Uh, I, um, I, help! Yeah, I, <laughs> I I didn't know where he was going, but I knew I didn't want to be by myself, so I took off running after him. You know, not the smartest thing to do when you're losing a lot of blood, but I'll be honest, I had never had my arm ripped off by a machine before. I didn't really know what to do.
0: First time for everything.
2: First time for everything, and so I'm like, <laughs> I don't really know what to do, so I took off running. And the
0: the this is the, the mere shock of it, though. Is,
2: yeah, I was in know. complete shock, absolute complete shock, and. The, the crazy thing is, is I don't know why I remember this so well, but if I was standing there and just had my arms and what was left in my right arm hanging by my side, the blood was shooting directly into me. It was spurting, and it was hitting me in the chest, and I hated the way that felt. So when I took off running, I actually held my arm out in front of my face, and it was literally, I'm seeing streams of blood just shoot off and it's like take a step duck Take, take a step duck you could see in the pictures it looks like the mcdonald's arches you could tell every step i took because it's i'm spraying blood ran about 50 to 75 yards um there was an office that was i knew there was a phone in there and hopefully there was somebody in there so when we took off running i didn't know where that guy was going but i knew i needed to get help and i just had this feeling if i stay here i'm gonna die and so there's something about the feeling of when you're not sure if the next breath is gonna be the last one you breathe that is utterly terrifying. I mean, I can't put it into words. Like I even tried to when I wrote my book, but you can't you can't put it into words and especially how much you want to live when you think you're about to die. Like terrifying. So ran about fifty to seventy-five yards. I run up to the office after running through the bottom of silos, up a flight of stairs, through a set of double doors, and I ran up to this office. And there's this big plate Wait, glass. Wait, you ran window.
0: upstairs? Yeah, there During was a, this time.
2: It wasn't like it was maybe like ten stairs because the silo was a little bit down into the ground, so you had to run upstairs to get to the office. Okay, so it was like ten stairs or so. But then I ran up to this big plate glass window where the office is. And I just ran up to the window, and I stood there looking in. I didn't knock on the window. I didn't open the door and be like, hey, does anybody here have a Band-Aid like, or anything <laughs> like that? Like I'm literally just looking. There's three guys in the office, and I'm standing there at the window just looking at them. So thankfully, one of them looked and saw me and like made some kind of gasp, I'm guessing, because then everybody was now looking out the window at me. Two of the guys in the office looked at the third guy and said, I can't go out there. I can't handle the sight of blood. So I cannot go out there. So he's like, I'll go out there, but if I need something, just listen and help me out. So he comes running out of the office and tackles me on the ground, which seemed like a little aggressive, a little rude at the time. Like, (laughs) bro, I have one arm and now you are throwing me down on the ground. But he told me later, he said, I was worried that if I didn't get you on the ground, he said, you were in such shock, I was scared you were going to take off running again. He said, I had to get you on the ground. And so he gets me down on the ground and he yells back to the guys in the office and said, I need paper towels because there's paper towel dispenser in the office that they're in. Sure. So the door of the office opens and a hand comes out holding one paper towel. Come on. No joke.
1: <laughs> oh, my God.
2: Puts the paper towel on my arm, immediately soaks through. Right. Yeah.
0: Even Bounty's not helping that out. No,
2: no. <laughs> that was not the quicker picker
0: up of no. the day. I will say that
2: much. And then he's like, he's screaming, I need more paper towels. Yeah. Give it's, me your shirt. Yeah.
0: Right.
1: Was that before somebody thought to say, hey, call 911, like grab the paper towels? Or had somebody hopefully already done this?
2: Calls started going out. Okay. I'm laying on the ground trying not to die. Right. Um, so timeline –
1: you just remember the paper towels. I
2: remember the paper towels. Now a call did go out. they had it like an emergency thing where like it could go out to all the pagers or walkie- talkies or whatever and said, I think I think the call went out. One of the college students has been hurt in the silos. So if anybody had the ability to help, get out that way. So I know that happened at some point. I just don't know when. But he screamed back at the guys again, I need more paper towels. And again, the door opened and a hand came out holding a single paper towel again. So he takes the paper towel, puts it on my arm, immediately soaks through again. So the third time he said, I need more. And then a lot of words that as a believer, Christian, I don't typically (laughs) say. um, Basically, give me the roll. And so the guy literally snatched the paper towel dispenser off the wall and shoved it out the door, and he starts wrapping my arm yeah. in these paper towels. Um, one of the next guys that got to me was actually the last baseball coach I ever had. He was in the – he actually just passed away not long ago, but he was in the Navy um, when he was younger, and he basically turned himself into a human tourniquet because just the strongest hands like I've ever felt on a person, and he stuck his hand under my armpit and just squeezed as hard as he could. Just
0: to, yeah, cut that off.
2: Yeah, just trying to slow my blood loss because literally a puddle had already formed beside me. Like I, I, I have pictures of where I laid down, and it's right. a puddle that... I, I mean, mean, not
1: to mention what was lost or still back in the thing with your arm the, yeah, and in, then the running. Yeah. yeah,
2: so I had lost a, a ton of blood at this point, and so he just squeezed and was doing everything he could. And here's kind of a crazy part. I don't tell this part of my story very often, but... When my coach ran up, he knelt down beside me, and he put his left knee by my right cheek to keep me from looking to the right. So you didn't
0: see what was I, going so on. So I didn't yeah. see. Yeah.
2: I, I know he was doing it for two reasons. One, I had already seen enough. I had, like, more bone than I did. Skin had been ripped off to, like, oh, yeah, yeah. way up, but bone was sticking way out, and he's like, okay, he's seen enough. He probably didn't want me to see, too, that he was, about, he was going up there and – and grabbing as hard as he could under my yeah. armpit. Smart, just, smart guy. Very smart. Like yeah. just on on the spot, just jumped in. Like, like that's th- staying
0: cool under pressure right there. Yeah, for
2: sure. Yeah. When he did that, I don't know how much later, maybe 10, 15 seconds later, my dad comes running in. He had been in a meeting in the front office when, he, when this page goes out. One of the college students has been hurt, so my dad is booking it. He doesn't know it's me. He doesn't know who it is. But my dad, I see him walk in, and he stands above me, and the look on his face was just absolute fear. Like, I've never seen fear like that in another human being right. to this day. I've never seen fear like that. And he had a pager on his hip. I mean, this is back in the early 90s. This was not July 22nd, 1993.
1: Oh, I had a pager around then. Well,
2: mm-hmm. oh, you were a baller. Um, but I didn't. But So he t- he had a pager on his hip, and he turned took it off, and he turned and he threw it across the silos and shattered it on the wall.
0: Just out of anger, right? Just out of anger, and
2: then he walked away. At that moment, the next thing I remember, I was floating up at the ceiling, and I was looking down, and I could see everything that was taking place. Like I could see my body laying there. I could see the puddle of blood that had formed beside me. And I told my dad later in the hospital, I was telling him where everybody was standing. And there was one guy who wouldn't come into the silo, but there was like this big it was like a garage door at the end and he was kind of peeking in the garage door yeah he wouldn't come in but he was peeking and he was over on my right-hand side there's no way i would have been able to see him because of where my baseball coach's knee was at the time that he had pressed up against the side of my face so the next guy that got there he comes up and he takes his he comes and stands above me and i see him start taking his belt off and i was thinking Hang on, it's not that kind of party. You know what I mean? Um but what he was doing was like, his, I suffered
0: enough. I don't Yeah, even. yeah, like I, I'm not
2: rolling over or anything. So just like let's 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 keep it moving, but he took his belt off and wrapped it around my arm and just cinched a tourniquet as tight as and he was actually an EMT at the time.
0: Good.
2: And he is now the safety manager at that factory. So this factory is still open. That factory is still open. Okay. He has taken that position. He's been offered multiple promotions, but he won't take them because he said his goal is to make sure nothing like my accident happens Never there again. again. Yeah. And so like that is just super commendable. You yeah. know, to, that somebody's willing to make that kind of sacrifice to try to keep people safe even though a lot of times when I travel around safety managers aren't always looked at with like, hey, here comes the safety guy, you know, because yeah. typically somebody can get in trouble when the safety guy shows up but when you know that they're there just trying to help you and trying to keep you safe, like if you could look at it like that, it, I think it would change the way people looked at safety management. So managers. what happened to the
0: guy that ran away? Do we That's ever, what I
1: was wondering too. Yeah. Where did the guy run to the guy turns it, it off and then runs. You
2: never find that kid again.
1: Did he ever visit?
2: He visited me when I was in the oh, hospital. He was the one that came and said he, like, he, everybody okay. that I well, I, there was eight of us. Um, so seven other guys, including me. And I think six of them came to visit me when I was, in the hospital,
1: so flash forward a little bit. You have all these people, tourniquet around you, bleeding out. You're floating in the air. Your dad took off. You uh, go to the hospital, and then they fish your arm and your well, hand out of the the
2: the next thing that happened when when he put the tourniquet on my arm, the guy who was had his hand under my arm squeezing, he walked over to my dad because they had been friends for a long time, golf buddies, all that kind of stuff. So he walked over and he told my dad, he said, Jeff needs you, buddy. And so my dad came over and knelt down beside me and he grabbed my hand and he said, let's pray. And that's the crazy thing is when he said that, I was no longer floating outside of my body. Like I was back in my body again and laying there on the floor of the factory. We said the Lord's Prayer together. Um, You were still conscious at this point? I never lost consciousness ever until they put me to sleep um, at the hospital. I never lost consciousness Ambulance backs in, they load me up on the ambulance, take me, the local hospital was like five minutes away, they get me there, my dad had already called my mom, so my mom and my stepdad show up, my grandparents show up, everybody's there to kind of try to support me, but like this was a small local hospital, they couldn't handle a case like mine, so they had already, somehow a contact had been made, get a helicopter on the way, Mm -hmm. and so a helicopter gets there to fly me to Duke University Medical Center. So they're loading me up on the gurney, taking me out to the helicopter, and that's when I find out they were taking me to Duke University Medical Center. Well, I'm a North Carolina Tar Heel fan, so the last place I wanted to go was Duke. Like I'm like, if they find out I'm a Tar Heel fan, they'll try to kill me. I mean, like this, yeah, like this is it's, it's it's brutal down here. You're in
0: their refusing service. Yeah, like right? I'm still like, not gonna
2: pull for your basketball team. Yeah. Like I don't care. Get your Duke hands, yeah. Off get me, your man. Duke hands. Fly me over to Chapel Hill. Um, I'll wait. Yeah. <laughs> But the the crazy thing is, is so they get me on the helicopter and they're flying me up to to Duke. Well, they had to fly around two different thunderstorms because, like, it's thunder and lightning and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, just at that point, I want to just fly through it. Like, if we go down, it is what it is at this point. Like, let's just let's really take the story up a notch. (laughs) But they flew around like two different, uh, you know, electrical storms. They get me up there. They get me into the operating room. And at this point, I had lost three fourths of my blood.
1: Yeah, I would imagine you probably that I can imagine be like almost gone. Like how could yeah. you have had anything left?
2: Yeah, like three fourths of my blood at this point was gone. Um, never passed out. I remember the helicopter ride. I remember they were giving me morphine for pain and it made my nose itch really bad and I couldn't scratch my nose because they had all these tubes in my left arm. I don't have a right hand to scratch my nose with. So when they That'd were putting me on when they were putting me on the helicopter, I told them, "Tell the nurse to scratch my nose because my mom was in the emergency room with me at the local hospital and I just like mom scratch my nose just keep scratching my nose until I tell you to stop and so when they were but then when they put me on the helicopter they put an oxygen mask over my nose and mouth because I was hyperventilating at the same time and I would shake the mask off my face like to tell the nurse to scratch my nose Well, yeah. she thinks I'm having like a panic attack so she just keeps grabbing the mask and sticking it back over and I wanted to be like lady I will kick you off of this helicopter <laughs> if you don't scratch my dang nose like it was, I'm telling y'all. Your it mom was, must
1: have been like, oh, this is it. All yeah. he wants is to scratch the nose. J- just She's scratch my it.
2: nose and let me out of here. Like just, wow. it was like, it's crazy. Like the dumb little things I remember, but like I, I never lost consciousness through this whole time. I never lost That's consciousness.
0: That's crazy. Because like I, cause I except you told that story. People pass out hearing it. You know, you lived it. <laughs> yeah, I, I did, I, so. I've had
2: 11 people pass out over the years hearing me tell my story. So I've learned to kind of, tone it down a little bit because people don't go to church expecting to hear about somebody having their arm ripped off. Right. I've had it happen in safety seminars, which is crazy when the safety seminar, like somebody got up to leave the room and passed out and fell into the wall. I'm like, yep, the safety guy did that.
0: So ballpark, how many times you told that story over the years? Thousands.
2: Let's see. I start the first time I shared it was in November of 1996
0: you've been getting mm. decent like reactions from it too like everyone's like oh my god like you're so lucky like does it change the way they look at you for sure for yeah. sure did you get
1: frustrated when people would say you're so lucky yes like in the beginning was that kind of like a am I really lucky like that am- was deep sorry I was gonna say
2: have you ever just wanted to punch people for being stupid <laughs> every day multiple times a day I can okay. separate you two if I don't go <laughs> punching her just yet <laughs> I would not I'd fight you before I'd fight Stacy <laughs> No, like the I get asked to this day. I still get asked some of the dumbest questions. And sometimes I, I you don't know like if everybody is mentally there. So I try not to ever like react in a way. But like I I over the years so I lost my arm 30 years ago. A little over 30 years ago now. And getting up there. Oh, yeah, I'm old. Um I lost my arm when I was 31. <laughs> So, no. Just graduated high school the yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. week <laughs> before. Um, but almost, I'd say, once a year for 30 years, minimum once a year, somebody asked me, did it hurt? I'm like, no, nah, man. No, I'm You good. should totally try it. Yeah. Totally worth it. it. You get handicapped parking if you want it. Um, How do you feel about glass? Yeah. was you know, the yeah. shock,
1: though, that you went through? Like, does it actually, like, you block out some of that pain like at the point where you're running you're so scared you're bleeding out are you actually thinking about the excruciating pain that you're in like legit question
2: in I, in the moment i i wasn't focused on the pain
1: of course it's there but your mind it was is there like, but
2: i'm like it, it's that fight or flight yeah and i'm going to die if i don't get to help right and plus if I would have laid down where my accident was, it was so much dirtier there that I probably would have lost more of my arm or maybe lost my life just because of how dirty the area that was that I was in, not that the area that I ran to was like pristine. Right. Um but the area that we were in was just disgusting. And so if I would have laid down there, there's no telling what all would have like gotten inside of my body yeah. and what could have happened but I don't think in the moment that I was like, I was like, man, I'm in a lot of pain. I wasn't thinking that because I'm thinking I'm about to die. Maybe I've never heard this before. You're about to hear a preacher cuss, but <gasps> I know right. You're gonna
1: speak my language. I know right.
2: So <laughs> um, Christians, turn the volume down for just a second. But like, no. Like as I was running, I literally said, "Oh shit! Oh shit! Oh shit!" I, that's so, all I wait, said. That's the worst that's you got. The cussing at, right. at that moment. Yes. Now accept, it, got, it, got, it got it got it got much worse. But like, I said that. From the moment I started Stace running. It's like,
0: hold my beer. Challenge accepted. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Challenge accepted. Um, I literally said that yeah. until I saw my dad's face. And then I was like, oh, God. Oh, God. Because I'd never cussed in front of my dad before. So I had to change. I was say, now like, not only you have one arm hanging there
0: bleeding to death. Now I'm going to spank in my dad. In front
2: of- <laughs> <laughs> now your dad's getting a backhand. Now, my dad, <laughs> my, now my, my dad had a potty mouth, so he would have been okay with it. But, like, I literally, I was screaming, oh, shit, like, every step until I got to, I was laying there I was still seeing it while I was laying on the ground. Then I saw my dad's face and I changed it to, Oh God. And I said, Oh God, until they got me loaded up and taken off.
0: Obviously. I mean, that's an amazing story. Right. Right. I think what you've done with your life after that moment, I think is really where, I think it's really where you shine. Right. Cause I think that happens to a lot of people and a lot of people don't have the the, the I don't think it happens
1: to a lot of people. Well, I'm I'm <laughs>
0: saying like like tragedy. Tragedy happens oh. to a lot. Like when when tragedy yes. like that happens, like it makes me think of the story, the surfer girl who got the shark bite. You know what I mean? I've like been use... called her so Hamilton. many well, times.
2: Yeah, I actually told people I was like that. That's actually my life story. But they couldn't find an actor good at lo- looking enough did to they, play. Yeah. Me. So they did that yeah. So it they had to shark, switch yeah. it to a
0: girl. Fun fact: She was on Amazing Race. She was awesome. Yeah. Really, From her and her uh, she's surfer boyfriend. She's yeah,
1: like a really good person. Yeah. Like in life. Like uh, like me. Yes. Right. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. I can't believe people can be like that.
0: <laughs> but that's my point, right? Is like right. you take that adversity, if you will. Right. And like for the last 30-something years, you're challenged with shoe tying, driving, you know, like all these little things that you do. Like, And I, I got to be honest. Like I don't know a lot of people that – I'm not sure that I would be one of those people. Like it's it's, it's easy for me to say now. But
1: it's... There's a lot that I think if – and again, this is us speaking from Think – Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> we have not had to go through such a tragedy, right. but that would go to a very dark place and not continue on do things with their life. Like right. you know, I know some of your stories, so I know that you went on and became like doing golfing, and I've seen some of your videos and like, who I can't golf with two hands, never mind one. <laughs> right. But it's like,
0: not called doing golfing, you play golf.
1: You play golf. Right. <laughs>
0: So carry
1: on. <laughs> I have nothing to say to that. Um, So, when you're playing golf, then, I mean, you have a pretty good swing from what I hear. Who the heck does that? People like curl up in a ball, be like, where's the cocaine? Where's the alcohol, hookers, Coke, whatever people are into nowadays if well, they go through I, that. I didn't
2: know those were options. Well, only, probably I would have tried those.
1: Probably not in the country where you were, you know, in the Christian world. But no.
2: Well, I'll tell you this. Like,
1: What motivated you to continue and be a better person and do things that people who have two arms don't
2: do? I went through my dark times, Mm -hmm. really dark times. There were times I wanted to kill myself, like legitimately, because my dream was to play college baseball. I always wanted to play college baseball. And I was going to Appalachian State University and I was going to try to walk on to the baseball team there. And I lost my arm four days before my college orientation. So, like, you're, like, that close. Like, even if I would have had the chance to go try out, even if I didn't make the team, like... It was taken away from you. I I, I would have given myself the opportunity to go play college baseball, even if I didn't get it. I tried. But I'd never had that opportunity. Um, I went through my dark times. And, like, my mom, at one point, she told my stepdad, she's like, Jeff hates me. I adore my mom. I'm a mama's boy, but not to the point that it's, like, sickening. Like... Mm-hmm. The umbilical cord's been cut, but I I love my mom. Like Mm -hmm. my dad left when I was in the third grade, so me and my mom and my sister have always just been super tight. But she, my mom, thought I hated her, and it was because I wanted everybody to think I was okay, and I hated my life. Like I wanted everybody just to think that, oh Jeff, he's gonna bounce back from this. And this is immediately after,
0: right? The first couple years.
2: This is, this is I mean, probably a year or two afterwards, and especially that first year was really rough. I was having to go back for follow-up surgeries. I was having to learn how to live with one hand. Before, I was right-handed. Now, I'm left-handed. Like, I'm having to learn how to live life all over again. I started college 16 days after I got out of the hospital, and I didn't have the ability to write yet.
1: Wow. So you still went?
2: I went. Yeah. To App State? I didn't go to App. I oh. started at a local college. Um, back then, it was called Pembroke State University. Yeah. Now it's the University of North Carolina at Pembroke. That was only like 20-minute drive from my house, 30-minute drive from my house, depending on how fast we drove that day. But I was having so many follow-up surgeries and appointments that going to App wasn't feasible because it would have been a four-hour drive to Duke where if I stayed home, I just took a couple classes, and I could you know, go make the doctor's appointments to do in two hours. So it just didn't make so. But I started college sixteen days after I got out of the hospital, and I didn't have the ability to write yet. That's
1: insane.
0: Yeah,
2: and I—I I mean, the bandage on my arm was massive at the time. Like they still had—I don't—and you can probably correct me here. Are there's the thing called bulbs that would like take fluid? Like it would kind of yeah, yes. yeah. They're
1: like drainage bulbs. Like yeah, the drainage like bulbs. Exactly. Yes, yeah.
2: I had like. Two or three of those on my arm. So you can imagine how big the bandage was on my arm. And I was somebody who was always very conscious about how I looked. And so now I'm the guy with just a massive bandage. You know everyone's
0: staring at you. Right. Everywhere you go.
2: Everybody's staring at me. And I'm not that good looking. So like they're staring at me for another reason. I can't figure out what it is. (laughs) You know? So... It was, um, was my fly open, guys? Yeah. <laughs> I need some help. I only got one hand. You know? um, but no, it was just going back to the original question. How do you keep going? Right. When when something like this happens, you, go, you typically go one of two ways. You are the alcoholic that's miserable and you make everybody's life around you miserable. Or you just suck it up and you do the best you can. You play the hand you've been dealt. And like literally, I have tried to learn to play the only hand that I've been dealt. Mm. And um I talk about in my book about because I've had people just like you Mark that have said I if something like that happened to me I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And I always say it depends on how big your want to is.
1: I'm not sure he could do
2: it.
0: I'm not sure. Especially 18-year-old <laughs> like me? Right. No.
2: Well, and and that's the thing is like you but you can sit here and say that but if you, if 18 year old you was me, what are you, what do you do in that situation? Like how big is your want to, do you want to just sit around and just suck at life for the rest of your life? Or do you want to like try to bounce back and make the most well, of it? Well, that's my point,
0: right? So how part of that is you're going to sit around feeling sorry for yourself. You want attention. You want help. You want everyone to kind of like, do, like you don't want to be pitied, but you're just like, well, help me do this. I can't do this. I can't do that. Like, it's easy to get into that negative space for the things that you can't do. And I think what's admirable about you is that, you know, it sounds like you went through that period, but then you came out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and that's commendable.
2: I would literally, (laughs) I remember the the dumbest thing, like I didn't ever want to ask for help. Like I never wanted to ask for help. I wanted people to see that I needed help and offer it, but I was going to try and try and try and try until I either got it or I'm like, you know what? It's not worth it. But one time, somehow, the cable on the back of my TV came unscrewed. I sat back there for an hour.
0: Trying to get it on. i trying
2: <laughs> to screw. And my stepdad happened to walk by the door, and he sees me in tears. He's like, what's wrong? Like, are you in pain? And I'm like, I'm trying to get MTV. I can't, I can't switch I, it. I can't screw <laughs> the cable back into the back of the TV. He came in, and he did it in five seconds. And in a way, I was relieved. And in a way, I'm like, you suck so bad. Right. Because he did that in five seconds, and you sat back here.
0: I am not – I sat there for an hour. I get mad if I can't reach the back of the TV to get an HDMI cable back in because it's on the wall. Right, <laughs> like, right, right. I can only imagine. I'm getting emotional. Right. Well, let's do this. Let's – um. Let's. I mean, I appreciate – thank you for telling that story. I really appreciate that. I think the uh,
1: – I want to hear all the good stuff that came after.
0: Well, that's, that's what I want to get. So now what you do is you take your positive message – um, and you are a public speaker, not a minister, not a. <laughs> right. I'm a I'm a preacher. I'm a public speaker. Yep. I'm a safety guy. I'm He's a motivational a, a, guy.
1: Evangeline.
0: Evangelist. An evangelist.
2: Yep. So, <laughs> <laughs> Evangeline, I was on the castles walls <laughs>
0: What her name? Evangeline Lily. Yep. Yes. Yep. Good. Good nice. call. I was actually just watching a movie with her in it before you came over. So, okay. So there you go. She
1: was cute back then.
0: Eventually, to yeah, guess she probably still is now, but. You know, another day. Not compared uh, to our wives. No, not, well. she's she's three uh, yeah. in the last. Yeah, mm-hmm. for yeah. sure. Anyway, so uh, so you you do public speaking. So how long? Like, like what led you to that? Like, were you just you just inspired to tell your story more often and and just kind of build that confidence and say, well, "Hey, look, here's- Help
1: others if they've gone through something, like to motivate people.
0: The way it started, a complete stranger
2: invited me to church. Like, that's literally—
0: So you you weren't—at this point, you weren't a churchgoer. I would have told people I was a Christian, but— But your parents weren't—well, you said your mom would you go there a lot. Like, that was your right. drug, but— I would have told people I was a Christian, but I didn't—
2: There's a difference between practice. knowing God and knowing about God. And I felt like at that time, I knew about God. I didn't know God. Okay. And so— <laughs> the funny story, I was at Appalachian State. This was after I'd transferred up to Appalachian State. And my roommate was a football player um, for App State. And so I got to be – I'd played baseball with him my whole life, but he was just one of these guys that was good at everything, just those people you just don't like. We had played baseball, but he would gotten scholarship. He was a punter and a kicker at App State. And so because he was a football player, I got to be friends with a lot of the football players. And so anytime they were going to go do something, they would invite me to go along. And they didn't see me as handicapped, and I don't see myself as handicapped. Like, yes, it's going to take me twice as long to tie my shoes, but it's going to take me half as long to wash my hands. So, like, there are benefits <laughs> here. Like, people don't ask me to help them move. I mean, like, there That's there are some bonus.
0: there are some benefits. So, here. I was going to ask you about like your your sense of humor towards it. Right? right. My my assumption is that you have a great sense of humor towards it. So, if I made a you two hand touch football, like how's that? Out. I'm out. Okay. <laughs> I have to slap them twice.
2: Uh, no, like uh, comedy was my coping mechanism. Good. Like I had to, I did it at first because I was trying to make everybody else around me comfortable because like one of my really, really close friends and like, he didn't even know to this day unless he hears this podcast um, how much he hurt me one day because I had gotten a prosthetic at the time and he hadn't been around me when I wore it. And so the first time I wore it, he had come over and we went to, this is back when there was a thing called Blockbuster. <laughs> we um, remember those. Uh, no, you don't. But there was this thing called Blockbuster where you could go rent movies. Like, believe it or not. this is Yeah, it was yeah. crazy. Like, mm, back in the day. Um, but we went to go rent a movie and the elbow joint on my prosthesis kept making a popping sound. And like, I wasn't doing it on purpose. Yeah, Ooh, I wow. wasn't doing it. That's what it (laughs) sounded like. (laughs) Um, It kept making this popping sound. I wasn't trying to make it make a popping sound because I didn't want anybody to know that I had a fake arm on. Like, I wanted everybody to see me as two-armed. I wore long sleeves in the middle of the summer with a prosthetic on so people would think I was normal, even though the guy wearing jeans and long sleeves in the middle of summer, back then, now it's like like the cool thing to do, but back then, you're just like an idiot. Um, But my my prosthesis kept making this popping sound. And so there it is. Um, (laughs) He said, can you please stop making your arm do that? And like, but this guy, when I got out of the hospital, he came to see me When, when I was in the hospital, he came to see me more than anybody except for family members. When I got out of the hospital, he came to my house every day. And, but that one comment, like he had no idea, like it gutted me because I'm like, dude, I'm more embarrassed of that sound than you are. I had to figure out how do I make other people comfortable around me? And so I started picking on myself. And it was a coping mechanism that everybody, it backfired on me a little bit because everybody thought I was okay. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't. Like I was crying myself to sleep a lot. When I went to college at App, there were times I was literally, I'm, I'm driving through the mountains of North Carolina, and I'm like, I can pull my car off the side of this cliff. be done with it. And everybody thinks it's an accident. Nobody knows that I hate my life so much that I'm just trying to kill myself. Like, I don't want to be here anymore. So I brought comedy in to make other people feel comfortable, but then, like I said, it got to a point that it backfired because then everybody started picking on me. And I was okay with me making fun of myself. I wasn't okay with other people making fun of me. Like that was where it right. became. So there's a fine line. So if there are people you're out there listening, like if you hear somebody making fun of themselves because of something that is wrong with them, that doesn't necessarily give you the right to jump in because they're just trying to exist in their world. And sometimes by you saying what you might consider a joke, it can it can gut the person that you're talking to. So that was for free. Um, I won't charge y'all for that part. But <laughs> I'm going to charge for a therapy session. Yeah. <laughs> but I, back to how I kind of got into the speaking, and I'm sorry for all the editing you're going to have to no, do. That's but fair. That's <laughs> fair. How I got into speaking, a stranger, I was playing basketball. Like the football <sighs> players – They said, hey, we're going to go play basketball. Do you want to go play? And I'm like, sure, I'll go play. And so we get there. We're warming up before the game starts, and I started counting to see how many players we had because we were going to run a full court game, so we needed 10 players. So I started counting to see how many players we had, and we had 11. I was like, that means one person's not going to get picked. I wonder who that's going
0: to be. Yeah, I wonder, yeah.
2: I was looking around. I was really hoping there was a guy there with no arms, but there wasn't. (laughs) And so sure enough, they picked teams, and I didn't get picked. So I just went off on another goal, and I was just kind of over there shooting by myself. Well, at App State, I don't know if it's still this way now, but at the time there were these four full-court basketball courts with a track that people were walking and running on that went around it. And people were staring at me. Like they would glance over and see like a one arm guy shooting basketball. Granted, it's not something you see every day. So I would typically get the look, the look away, and then the immediate snapback of like, that's a one arm guy shooting basketball. Like, yep. Yeah, the double take. You know, the double take. Everybody did that, but it was after, like, I got the double take, they they really never paid any more attention to me except for one girl. Like, she came to my court. The first time she walked by my court, she looked at me, and she looked away, and she did the snapback, and she stared at me the entire time she walked by my court. And I'm like, okay, I, you know, I get it. It's not every day you see a one arm guy shooting basketball, so I kind of understand. The second time she gets to my court, she does the same thing. She stares at me the entire time she walks by my court. And each time, each lap she makes when she comes to my court, she walks slower and slower to the point that I'm starting to get mad.
0: Should like, have start talking to you.
2: Well, I, I, like I, I'm wanting to fight, like, but then I didn't want to get beat up by a girl. So, like, but I'm like, you know, you're in college. This shouldn't be that big a deal to you to see a one arm guy shooting basketball. Like, yeah, I know you don't see it every day, but why are you staring at me Maybe like I owe you blind. money? What?
1: Maybe she was blind.
2: She wasn't. I'll tell you what I thought was going. At the time, I didn't know that. But then the guy in me kicked in after a while, and I was like, wait a minute. Maybe she's checking me out. You know, that's what I started thinking. She wasn't. And you want to fight (laughs) her. But, like, I found out later she wasn't checking me out. But, like, the first time she saw me, she told me later, she said, when the first time I walked by your court, she said, I felt God speak to me and told me, go invite him to church a complete stranger, just go and invite him to church. Um So it took her 13 laps to build up the courage. And then I finally thought, she's checking me out. So I'm thinking, how do I make it easier for her to come talk to me? Because when I lost my arm, I lost every bit of self-confidence I ever had. I didn't have a whole lot, but any that I did have was complete. I I would not talk to a girl. Like, a girl doesn't want to be with a one arm guy. Like, that's where yeah. my... So I decided instead of shooting around the free throw line, I went over by the baseline and kind of started shooting from there because it was a shorter walk from the track. And so, sure enough, that's when well, I moved that's over, that's well there, played right there. That's smart that's good move. move. Smart yeah. move. Yeah. yeah, that's a that's a pro move. Um, so if you ever lose an arm, See, and Stacey, think the, the baseline
0: girl's... is the side of the court that's you know not in front of the top of the key. It's to the side. It's right by the track. Yeah, like the it's right there. So she had a shorter like a track that you run on. Yes.
2: So yeah. she had a shorter walk to come to me because I was standing so close to the track from where I had been shooting before. Well, tonight
1: I'll be staying at home base. <laughs>
0: <laughs> On we, the next episode of we'll Casual be, <laughs> yeah. Well, I know which part I'm editing. <laughs> <laughs> so
2: so she, she invites you to church. So she invites me to church. I was, my whole plan was to say no because at the time I was really mad at God because I thought my accident was his fault. You know, I was told God, I was like, I went to church my whole life and this is what happens to me, like, why? Why me? But I didn't know the Bible at the time. There's a a Bible verse, John chapter 10, verse 10, that says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but that Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. Well, I didn't know that at the time. So I thought God had taken my arm. So I was mad at God. So I'm like, you go your way. I'm going mine. I'm done. But when she invited me for some reason, the answer was coming out of my mouth as no, but I said, sure. And so... Because you're still thinking... She's interested in me. She wants to take me out <laughs> to lunch after church yep. because that's what my family did after every I, Sunday. I know how guys think. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. So I went with her at the end of the a missionary from Africa was there and he preached and he like had been in Africa forever. He invented Africa, like I'm pretty sure. Like he's like I'm I'm found this place. I'm going to call it Africa. I just want to like,
1: throw in there from people who know me, Africa is a continent
2: well done ding, good job ding.
0: there it is two gold uh, stars
1: Jeff you don't know that I probably learned that about three weeks ago
0: <laughs> <laughs> amazing and I
1: can't name all of them so. so all
0: right so this guy this guy comes in he, he does some speaking and that kind of turns your it, corner it, to say hey you know what I think I can do that is this I, I at the,
2: at the end of the service I decided then and there I'm giving my life to Jesus okay like before I went to church I was a churchgoer but I wasn't a Christian. Just like I'll tell people, going to McDonald's doesn't make you a Big Mac. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. It just makes you a church goer. I gave my life to Jesus. Like, I gave my life to Jesus. And I'm like, okay. whatever you want me to do, I'll do. And I went to an event one time as it was a youth event. And I was kind of there to watch. Like, I was invited as a leader but I didn't want to lead because I was still very embarrassed about having one arm. I leaned up against the wall the entire time with my prosthetic up against the wall because I'm trying to hide it from everybody. But the leader of our trip, of our group, he said, Jeff, I want you to share your testimony tonight. I'm like, if you tell me what a testimony is, I'll do it. Like, <laughs> right. And I'm not an idiot. Like I, like, I don't know what continents are. But <laughs> you're welcome. Um, but no, I did I knew what a testimony was like for in court <laughs> <laughs> I knew what a court testimony was, but I didn't know what a church testimony was. And so it's basically, you just stand up and talk about what God's done in your life. So I was like, okay, I can do that. And so I stood up. I don't know what I said. I was so nervous. I could not hold the microphone. Somebody had to hold it for me because I would have given myself a black eye. That's how bad I was shaking. And at the end of the service, uh, or when I got done, the guy holding the microphone for me, he said, you've heard what uh, Jesus has done in Jeff's life. If you would like him to invite him into your life, to to do the same thing in your life, come forward. And one little 13-year-old boy got up and came forward. When he came forward, I don't know if you've ever prayed a prayer that you didn't realize was a prayer until like much later on in life, but I said, God, that was really cool. If you want me to do that again, I will. And that was in November of 1996, All and right. I've, been, I've been going ever since. So um, that
1: little boy, just hearing what your story and coming up,
2: motivated
0: you to keep it rolling yeah
2: well because like then i started seeing my accident in a different way i was like there's got to be something positive that can come out of this i'd say the majority of situations a positive is potentially there if you're willing to allow yourself to deal with the pain to get to it because i could have i could have just sat on my story for the rest of my life I could have sat on my st- I could have given my life to Jesus and be like okay I'm good I'm going to heaven so I'm good when I accepted Jesus into my life my life changed for the better like I I didn't I wasn't so angry and bitter and depressed and all this like now I've dealt with some things since then but like then like I felt like I was carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders and so it was like just a brutal time um but when Jesus came into my life like I f- something changed. That's the best way for me to something changed in my life. And so like I found that hope in him. And I'm like, if I can give that hope to other people, then that's what I want to do. And so that's when I started sharing my story. And then years later, I broke a world record um, for the longest drive of a golf ball hit with one arm.
0: 288 yards.
2: Well, the one you there was one on YouTube that is two hundred and eighty eight yards. That one counts the bounce and the roll. Okay. Um I broke the Guinness Book of World Records long drive for the longest it's called the longest carry of a golf ball, which means the point from the point you hit the ball to the point the ball first touches the ground. Okay. And that was um, in the air. It was 258 yards, two feet, four inches. Nice. And that actually made it onto ESPN's Top wow. Ten Plays of the Week. So that was kind of cool. Um, cool. I was watching SportsCenter, and the next thing I know, my face was there. Like, I literally about pooped my pants. It was crazy. Like, that's cool. I'm there. Um, but so I, then I started – I was like, okay, well, how can I – and I didn't do that so people would be like, oh, man, look at what Jeff did. Like, look how cool he is. Look at – I wanted to show people that, like – there's more to life if you're willing to go out there and try and go out there and fight for it. And like, again, going back to something I said earlier, like how big is your want to, like, I didn't want to sit around on the couch. Like I could, I probably could have been getting unemployment benefits for the rest of my life. Like I could have easily done that and just been like, you know what? I'm, I give up. I'm just going to sit at home for a while. I considered it like, cause I, I, I hated life. Yeah. Like, just let me sit at home. I don't want to do anything. Just leave me at home.
1: But it, you, tr- like, had you played golf before? You were a big baseball player. I was a
2: baseball guy. Um, I always played baseball. And I tell people growing up, I played enough golf to make my dad happy. Okay. I would play, like, once or twice a year. I'm a much better golfer with one arm than I was with two.
1: I like, would say you were a righty, too. So yeah. that's got to be different.
2: So I learned when I, with two arms, my lowest round was a ninety. Uh, with one arm my lowest round is a 72 so
0: like and Shoot, shooting from the same tees yep okay is that um,
1: like bowling where the lowest number is the better the, number the
2: lower number is the better number and Actually, the bowling's the opposite of that bowling you want to go high yeah bowling high golf low
1: you lied you were just making me feel good because I got lower numbers
2: <laughs> look at you <laughs>
0: so um, again uh, editing editing again, again.
1: <laughs> no this is real life this should be in there people need to know <laughs> things that you do to me <laughs>
0: Oh man. But so, no,
2: it was, it was just one of those deals where like I could have, I could have just given up on life. Yeah. You know, in everybody's life at some point they have something that, you know, I can just give up right here, right now.
0: So what's next for you then? So, uh, obviously it's an amazing story. So again, thank you for sharing that with us. You know, uh, I was going to bring up the golf thing, so that's awesome. I saw the the record there, so that's pretty cool. Uh, public speaking is something, um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put your information in the in the show episode notes right. so people can find you so they can okay. book you as a speaker on your website also has the link to um the, the book that we talked about and is that's uh if i would have died that day is that the Yeah that's that's the, that's the book i wrote
2: came out um about a year and a half ago it's called if i would have died that day you can get it on my website uh, jeffbardell.com um and even if you spell my name wrong and put two l's It'll (laughs) still, I bought both, so it will direct everybody to the right, to the right place. But yeah, I I put my, there's a lot of stuff that I didn't share in this podcast that is in the book.
1: How long did it take you to write that book?
2: It took me seven years to write that book because the first time I started writing it, I was five chapters in and um, lost it all. Yeah. Like my computer just.
0: Oh, I thought you were going to say it took you seven <laughs> years because you were typing with one hand. <laughs> no, yeah, it could have. No,
2: no because I was a. Um, after I lost my my arm, I went to college. I got a communications degree, which is basically what you get when you don't know what you're going to want to do in life. I got out of college and I turned into a newspaper reporter for like a year and a half. And so I learned how to type. Good. Um, so I type quick enough, I guess, for somebody with one hand. But no, like I lost my book twice, um, and so mm. that's why it took so long. It took me seven years from the time I first started it until it was published and being sold. Uh, but yeah, it was a, it was an experience.
1: I'm more fascinated that you lost your book twice. I mean, communications, can't you like record it? And like, it goes on to like a OneDrive so you don't lose it?
2: Seems well, I like wasn't like a super IT. tech savvy person. So like on my, my first like laptop, just like, it literally – I gave it to an IT guy. He said, it, it, you had a catastrophic hard drive failure. Oh, God. It's gone. Like, I literally threw it in the trash. So I had to start all over again, um, and I was ju- just basically using a Word document. Well, the next time I was using a Word document, the Word document disappeared. Oh. So then I moved over to Google Docs, and I never lost it again. Yeah. So, so now I do. go, Google. Yes. Now I, remember
0: I do. remember
1: that feeling of losing a Word doc when you're writing, like, this huge, huge essay for college. So I can't imagine losing that after
2: years putting well, especially together. Especially when, like, there's one chapter in my book where I talk about some of my struggles with um, my mental health and stuff like that. And it took me, it probably took me longer to write that chapter than it did the rest of the book combined. Mm-hmm. Because, like, days, there are days I would go in, I would sit down, I would open it up, and I would see, like, my first sentence. And I would just have to close the computer and walk away. Like, I can't do it today because I'm reliving the darkest times yeah. of my life.
0: So I work in IT, and I'll give you a pro tip. Save as you go. <laughs> well,
1: where were you 30 yeah.
0: years ago? <laughs> well, that, well yeah. that's
2: the thing. It's like now I was like, okay, I learned from Jesus. Jesus saves. And so now <laughs> I do too. <laughs> nice, nice.
0: Um, well, again, uh, I appreciate you you know, coming on the show today and joining us, Stacey. Thank you also for coming on. Uh, any last questions for, uh, for Jeff here at all? Did he capture everything?
1: No, I mean, since I met you, I thought, Dang, he's just like a good guy. And again, I don't really see those people very often. So I get kind of fascinated <laughs> when, like, I mean, like, to your core, who ended up falling in love with Mary and marrying my best friend. <laughs> yes, edit I this did. out. Edit in, that part out. In two months. In two months? No, from you. The, oh, yeah. I thought you meant. I'm like, we no, no. You already we got, got married, married was, honey. It's not in two no, months. No, from the time yeah. we
2: got married until or the time we met till the time we got married was two months. Yeah.
1: And you have beautiful girls.
2: Three beautiful girls yeah,
0: living the dream
1: to awesome. <laughs> live in the dream
0: there you go, cool, all right, well, um, like I said, we'll put all this information in the show notes so people can find out more about you they can uh hear more about this, and you know again i I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. you know, I think it you as you said, you've done it a thousand times, but I still think that it takes it takes courage to relive that every time um I'm glad you have a sense of humor about it, I'm glad that that's something that kind of motivates you and and hopefully people here on the screen motivated because. You know, I'm thinking like someone gets a little paper cut, and like, oh, I can't work today, you know, and
1: Mm -hmm. it's inspiring. It's, you know, it's heartbreaking. It's emotional. And then you kind of look at yourself and be like, damn.
0: Yeah. What have I done? How can I do more? You know, so
1: I read four books a week and lay on the couch and I'm all caught up on Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) but good for you. I think you're pretty amazing.
2: Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity. Like, this is a lot of fun. Y'all are awesome people, and um, thankful that you're in my wife's life for sure because she needs a, a good friend like you, no doubt. Everybody
1: needs one.
0: Everybody needs a Stacey in their life, but I know <laughs> this one's this one's. Taken. <laughs> I just met a good friend. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for listening. Uh, I appreciate it, and be sure to you know like, follow, share all the all the goodies. All right, stay casual.